Well, welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Hey, we're in season five. This is episode four, and it's just a quick reminder that you need to subscribe on your favorite podcast directory to our podcast, Unshaken. It really helps me get notification. It's got like an image of really um, smooth water. Um, I, I love it. Uh, anyway, you can also shoot me an email at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I love to hear from listeners. I love to get your thoughts on how the podcast maybe has impacted you, or maybe you might have some questions um, or thoughts you might like to share with me. Don't forget to join our Facebook page, Unshaken Podcast, and get ready for always fun giveaways, conversation, interesting facts. We're actually going to be revving up our social media this season, so join that and be on the lookout for some really cool new things. Before we jump into today's topic and focus, I wanted to remind you of our special bonus season that we're putting out and dropping each Thursday right along with our regularly scheduled episode. All of this season is about motherhood, and it's aimed towards encouraging and supporting and maybe even challenging moms in the work that God has put in front of them to do. I personally will tell you that mothering is hard work. I have six kids and I know it's hard. So I just want to put a big shout out to all of you who are moms, especially you who have a group of little people under your feet right now. Uh, We just want to bless you with these bonus episodes each week. Um, Don't forget to jump in and listen to those. And um, even if you're not a mother, you might want to consider sharing these with some moms in your life. Um, Find a few around you. Tell them about it so that they can maybe listen uh, to them. It's actually really a very good thing. Okay, so for today, we're going to listen to the fourth talk in a four-part series. The series was given at the 2019 Regarding Him Women's Conference, and the topic was called Living in Reality. It was a great day, and it was good to think about all the ways that we are called to live for God in the reality that he has put us in. So Adrian McClavick is going to share with us how you and I can live our every day for God's glory. And here's just a little special surprise. She's actually going to start with a really fun story. And that story is actually about my dear sister, Janelle. I love her. Uh, She lives in California, uh, many states away from me. And I love how her family and her husband and her kids all love God. And um, hey, just a little shout out to my sister. I love you, Janelle. Now, before we jump into this talk, I wanted to read a passage that Adrian will reference and was part of the theme chapter for this conference. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. All right, let's just head right into this talk called Living Forward. I have a friend who was born and raised in Michigan, and her sister Janelle moved as an adult to California. And even though Janelle has been gone for years and years, she has always maintained a very soft spot in her heart for her home state. Well, a few years ago, Janelle was home visiting family in Michigan, and she decided she wanted to do some shopping at Franklin Park Mall. So she was walking through the stores, and suddenly she froze in her tracks. And she pointed to an older gentleman wearing a Michigan sweatshirt, shrieked, ran over to him, threw her arms around him, and said, you're from Michigan. (laughs) The man was dumbstruck. 
stricken might have been a better word. And seeing his face, Janelle suddenly realized where she was, not in California, but about three miles south of the Michigan border. <laughs> and she stammered out, I, I forgot I was in Ohio. Which probably did nothing to convince the man that she was not a crazy woman. Perspective. Perspective causes a Michigan sweatshirt to be commonplace in Ohio, but a welcome novelty in California. From the perspective of my kids, this chocolate peanut butter cake here is just a delicious dessert. From the perspective of a dieter, this is temptation on a plate. From someone with a peanut allergy, this is an anaphylactic reaction waiting to happen. Perspective. The unique point of view, a way of looking at things. Perspective enabled Corey Temboom to look at the most horrific of circumstances and see blessing, to see Christ. How is this even possible? In the time I have with you today, I want to, I want to think about this question. How can we look at the hardships in our lives and face our own unique challenging reality with joy through Christ. And to do this, we're going to be looking at the last few verses of the passage that we've been looking at today. And Morlisa read those verses just a moment ago, and I'm going to initially focus on verse 14, which says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So the first thing when I notice, when I hear this passage, is that there is a definite separation between our outer bodies and our inner spirits. Scripture is very clear. Our outer bodies are wasting away. Forgive me for sounding like a Debbie Downer, but from the moment of birth, you are headed for the grave. I have known people who just ignore the fact that they're going to die. And they're in the nursing home, bedridden, giving people money to buy them lottery tickets, as if they'd have time or the ability to enjoy that money, even if they won. I've known other people who seem convinced that they could just cheat death or cheat aging if they just ate the right foods, took the right supplements, rubbed the right lotions on their faces, did the right exercises. Hey, I'm all for eating right and taking care of yourself. Do what you can, sister. But even with the ideal exercise regimen and the ideal diet and frequent visits to the plastic surgeon, you're going to wear down. You're going you're to age. So outwardly, we waste away just because of time passing. And we also diminish because of the hardships that we encounter during our, our years on this earth. If you're like me, you grew up sort of infatuated with Disney princesses like Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. And these, and these ladies, they, they lived happily forever after in a glittering castle with the prince of their dreams and various woodland creatures they could sing with. <laughs> and when I was young, that sounded pretty good to me. How different life turned out as an adult. I don't know your particular hardships, but I do know that it is hard to live on this earth. There's sickness. We're lonely. We have conflict with loved ones. We have conflict with those we don't love so much. Children rebel. 
Miscarriage or infertility shatters the dreams of becoming a parent. Money runs out before the bills are paid. Husbands hurt and disappoint us. We long to be married. Washing machines break, cars break, phones break, hearts break. Cranberry juice spills on new white carpet. (laughs) Parents die. Husbands die. Children die. Friends die. Dreams die. We are falsely accused. Bosses are unjust. The person in front of you will get the last drop of coffee. Always. (laughs) And while these things are true, that's not the end of the story. I'm here to say that we can have joy in the midst of those hardships. Now, there's the hope to come, and I'll be talking about that in the second part of my talk. Right now, I want to urge you to find joy in the here and now, regardless of how uncomfortable your here and now is. Reality is, you can find joy through Christ in the here and now. When they were taken to the concentration camp, Corrie Tamboom and her sister were assigned to Barracks 8 that was designed to hold 400 women. When they lived there, it held over 1,400. They slept on straw mattresses, and the straw had become rancid and rotten. And they soon discovered that it was infested with fleas. Corey was just horror-stricken at the fleas. And she just, it was the thing that sort of was, it was too much. And Betsy, who was quick to always see Jesus in every situation, insisted that they give thanks for the fleas. And she pointed Corey to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. I'm going to read just a really short excerpt from Corey's book, The Hiding Place. The fleas, exclaimed Corey. This was too much. Betsy, there is no way even God can make me thankful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, Betsy quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between the tiers of bunks and gave thanks for the fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. Corey could not imagine how something so horrible as fleas could possibly be good. How could it possibly be from God? But that's not the end of the story. Corey and her sister held a worship service every night in Barracks 8. And at first, they tiptoed and whispered for fear of the guards who were watching them everywhere during the day. But they soon figured out that the guards never, never bothered them. And they were able to share Christ freely. They were able to worship God freely. And later, they found out why. The guards had knowledge that those barracks were infested with fleas. And not wanting to catch fleas, they refused to set foot inside. So those fleas, which made their lives miserable, were the very things that enabled Corrie and her sister to share Christ freely and worship God. And even though Corrie reluctantly thanked God for the fleas, she eventually learned that 
God used those fleas to bring glory to himself and bring her the only joy she knew in that wretched place. So, I'll ask you, what are the fleas in your life? What are those things that you just cannot thank God for? I want you to look at something for a moment. Okay, this is a corner, a part of something that's somewhere here in the sanctuary. And I want you just to look around and see if you can maybe spot it. It's kind of tricky, huh? Okay, let's go to the next slide there. It's that, it's the drum right there. So why was it nearly, I mean, maybe some of you guessed it, but it, it was pretty impossible to look at this little corner and figure out what the whole object was, right? So I want you to think how that's like trying to figure out what God is doing in your life by looking at a particular circumstance, a hardship, a particular infestation of fleas. We look at a problem or a difficult situation and our perspective is limited to our own experience. These fleas are wretched. I, I can't, I can't live with this. I, God must not love me if he's giving me these fleas in my life. Now, in contrast, God is looking at that hardship with his unlimited perspective. And he is seeing how every hardship we face contributes to the soaring artwork that he is creating in our lives. We're looking at that one little corner. He's got the whole drum set. We're looking at that one little piece. He's got the whole church, the whole city of Toledo, the whole universe in mind. You might have heard it said, God won't give you anything you can't handle. That's not biblical. And it's not true. He does it all the time. And he does it for our good. When things are just kind of smoothly going along in my life, guess what? I can kind of forget how much I need the Lord. But give me some pressure. Give me a tragedy. Give me some fleas, and I am quickly on my knees. I'm not saying that God just randomly afflicts us with hard things to drive us to himself. Often, the desperate situations in our lives are caused by our own sin, other people's sin, just because we, fall, we live in a fallen world. But I am saying, God will take that brokenness and use it to draw us to himself. So, if you're being crushed by your reality, if the fleas in your life right now are just too much, Learn what Corey Tenboom learned. That God is in control of all that is happening to you. Things are not spinning out of control. You are not some victim of a cosmic haphazard accident. In your hardship, learn to trust God to take care of you. Fall on your knees and pour out your heart to him. He already knows what you're going through. He already knows what you're thinking about. Talk to him about it. From this perspective, you can find joy. 
I'm not saying that you need to plaster a smile on your face and be hap, hap, happy when you get that cancer diagnosis or when you lose your job. But I am saying that you can find joy knowing that you are in the care of your heavenly Father. He is holding you in his hands and he knows you. So my first reality is that you can find joy through Christ in the here and now. Let's move on to my other point. Reality is you must keep eternity in view. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul calls his hardship light and momentary. This is really almost comical if you read the rest of the New Testament because we find that Paul is a man who has been stoned and left for dead. He's been shipwrecked three times. He's been beaten by rods by the Romans three times. He's been imprisoned, I don't know how many times. He's often gone without food, often gone without sleep. And yet he calls his hardship light and momentary. How can he do this? Because he is fixing his eyes on the future, on what awaits him in heaven. This is certainly countercultural in our day. We hear all about the importance of living in the moment. I googled living in the moment and instantly books on Amazon that I could buy popped up about living in the moment, songs on Spotify that I could download or whatever about living in the moment, even a WikiHow article about how to live in the moment in 11 steps, <laughs> complete with pictures. There was a man smiling, brushing his teeth, and it said, notice the smell of the toothpaste. Feel the sensation of the bristles you know, against your gums. Whatever. <laughs> if you want to enjoy brushing your teeth, you go right ahead. But when you're done, the laundry will still be piled high, and you will still be surrounded by difficult people. What we need to do, like Paul, is to develop an eternal perspective. God, uh, Paul could see his trials as light and momentary because he was comparing them to the forever that he was going to spend in heaven. Even if you were to live for 100 years and suffer every single day of them, it is but a moment compared to eternity. I grew up in Idaho in a backpacking family. And we hiked and backpacked all over the West. And I learned from a very young age the importance of packing light. When you are going to carry everything you need for a four-day backpacking trip on your back, it is amazing what you do not need. <laughs> we used to saw the ends of our toothbrushes off. We would wear the same, the same socks and underwear repeatedly and just keep on turning them inside out. We would... Oh, eat this nasty freeze-dried food, and you would just have to add water to it. And whether it was labeled hamburger stroganoff or beef chili mac, it was all brown, and it all tasted exactly the same. So why were we willing to put up with conditions like this? Because we had the perspective that it was only for a few days. 
If someone had told us that at our house, every time we had to go to the bathroom, we'd have to go in the backyard, dig a hole with a shovel, and leave, use leaves for toilet paper, we would have said, no thank you. We had the perspective that this was a temporary situation. Those little pup tents were not our permanent home. Now, this, I realize, is an imperfect analogy. But this earth is just our temporary shelter. It isn't our true home. We're just backpacking here. And what happens to us on this earth, even if it's hard, lasts just a little while compared to eternity. Now, this is really important. Paul is not saying that all hardships lead to glory. Just because people suffer doesn't mean they automatically get to go to heaven. Not at all. It is very possible and very common for people to ignore God in their suffering or even to blame God or become angry with God in our, in our hardships to focus inward and become bitter and angry and distant from God. Those kind of hardships and suffering do not lead to glory. I know it's late in the afternoon, and you have heard a lot of words from a lot of different women, but I'm asking you, hang on for five more minutes and perk up, because what I'm going to say now is so critical. People imagine all sorts of things about what's going to happen to them when they die. I've noticed this just in conversations with people over the years and in different funerals that I've gone to, that people get a thought in their head. It's not necessarily based in anything, but just a vague hope or idea that when they die, they're going to go to heaven. Really, everybody thinks they're going to die and go to heaven. But what solid evidence is this based on? This is eternity, ladies, that we're talking about. And I don't want to base my eternity on some vague hope or idea. I'm basing my eternity on what God has written in the Bible because it is certain, it is true. And the Bible says that hell is a real place. I have some people in my life very close to me, and they do not believe in hell. Maybe you would agree with them. Maybe you think that a loving God would never send anyone to hell, and really, you know, we're living not in Old Testament, God is wrath times, but, you know, New Testament, Jesus is all about love, and that is true. Jesus is all about love. But do you know that more descriptions about hell and more warnings about hell are found in the words of Jesus in the New Testament than anywhere else in the Bible? Check me out on that. Look into it. It's, it's true. And Old Testament, New Testament, they both agree. Hell is not a place of light and momentary affliction. It is horrible. And it is forever. And the Bible is also very clear that heaven is a real place. And 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has 
conceived of how wonderful heaven will be for those who are his children. Like, we don't have the capacity to even imagine how wonderful it's going to be. And we get to go to heaven if we understand that we are sinners and that Jesus came to take the punishment for our sin. The Bible is clear. It is not whether you're a good person. It's not as if there's some big cosmic scale and your good outweighs your bad, then you get to go to heaven. It's about what Jesus did and whether you believe it. When you find yourself in the midst of hardship, bookmark these truths in your mind. You know how you put a bookmark in the place you want to go back to again and again, like the favorite recipe in a cookbook or the favorite web page on the internet? Bookmark in your thoughts the truth that Jesus is God's son. Bookmark the truth that he chose to live a life of hardship and a terrible, terrible death on the cross. Bookmark that he did this so that he could bring you and me, a sinful people, to God in eternity forever. Will you ignore this? Will you deny this? Or, like many of you here, probably most of you, will you believe this? And if you believe it, what difference will it make in your life? It should give you the perspective to look at those fleas in your life that plague you and not be ruined by them. Faith in Jesus should cause you to turn to him in your suffering. The things that you can turn to in this life for comfort, the things that Leanne spoke about this morning, entertainment, other people, drugs, retail therapy, whatever it is, those, those will bring some temporary satisfaction, but it will go. It, it won't be permanent. It doesn't last. And it's not truly satisfying. Only faith in Jesus will bring you a comfort that is lasting and forever. We aren't guaranteed another day or even another hour. Eternity is sooner than we think. And this doesn't have to be a morbid thought. Not at all. But it is a perspective that we need to keep in mind. Let's be thankful for each day we're given. Let's find joy in each day we're given. God is creating a beautiful artwork in your life. Let's trust him with every speck of it. Let's learn to suffer well. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and what he did for us that day on Calvary Let's not become glib or take it for granted. Live each day in gratitude, knowing that persevering for a few short days on this earth can lead to a glorious forever in eternity with our Savior. Hey, listen, I don't know where you are today. Probably some of you are living difficult, challenging lives. Maybe you're struggling with a sickness, or you have a wayward child, or maybe you're struggling through a difficult marriage. 
Maybe the job that you have is not really what you thought it was going to be. Or maybe you've had some type of tragedy or hurt that has affected you to this day. I really love Adrian's challenge to us to live for eternity. Now my life has not always been a bed of roses, so to speak, but I have to tell you a little trick that has helped me. Number one, I consistently read the Bible. I miss days, sometimes I might even miss a week, but going back to those nuggets of God's word is so important. It's so encouraging to me to hold on to them throughout those types of challenges. One other thing that I love to do is to read biographies of Christian people. I love the practicality of how these people lived and how they trusted God in the most difficult and darkest situations. Adrian talked a little bit about Cory Ten Boom and her book, The Hiding Place, which, as you may have already guessed, is one of my very favorite books ever, aside from the Bible. If you have not read this, I highly recommend that you get it probably from your local library, or you could even purchase it on Amazon, so you have a copy to read. Her story, Corey's story, is so amazing. God used her powerfully, not only to point those who are prisoners with her to Christ, but also her books have impacted me, and they could impact you, and many women beyond. Another fabulous story to read about is Elizabeth Elliot. Her book is called Through the Gates of Splendor, and it's another favorite of mine. These stories are great because they teach us how to practically trust God in the middle of pretty devastating circumstances. If you're in a difficult situation, you know, grab one of these and try to read a little bit every day as some encouragement. And hey, even if you're not in a difficult situation, try to grab one of these. And it's super helpful to help us keep our eyes focused on eternity. Hey, join us next week as we begin a series all about how we can live in our reality. We're going to jump into each episode each week, talking with a different woman at a different season in life. I think it's going to be great to hear how these women practically walk through each day after all the things we've learned about in the last four episodes. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time. Thank you.